recording. All right. Welcome, Crispin. Hello. How are you? Good, good, good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just off work? Yes, just off work. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about uh, limit poker, <coughs> which is exactly, you know, your game, you know? Um, yeah, I would consider myself a limit specialist, yes. Yeah, exactly. You're, how long have you been playing limit? Um, I remember we covered it a little bit on the last one, but refresh my memory. Um, I started playing limit in... Second or third year. Second or third year. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I played poker since first year, mm. and uh, I never was comfortable with putting all my chips in the mill all at once. Yeah. So, uh, and when I went to Brantford the first time, uh, I was playing two five limit hold'em, and uh, I liked the fact how it was structured betting. It made me feel a little bit more safe and secure. I guess yeah. you could say. In a gambling environment, so uh, I guess I ran with it ever since then. So my mm. uh, third year was two thousand and six. Yeah. So about thirteen years. Were you um, were you exposed to uh, no limit back then? Yes, I yeah. actually started with no limit. Oh, because uh, the way that we started in. Um, first year was uh, me and my floor mates used to play either tournaments or cash game. And a bunch of us liked cash games. But to get everybody playing, we had to play tournaments. And uh, with tournaments, we always played no limit style hold'em, right? And uh, that was basically my first exposure to poker. I learned limit actually as a secondary game. Mm. Was that because you did you didn't like no limit, or was it was that the reason why you changed the limit? I started off liking poker, mm-hmm. and then I got exposed to limit, and my fondness grew of limit, and it deteriorated for no limit. Just because of the little small quirks of the game that I don't mm. really like about um, No Limit, yeah, it's almost non-existent in Limit. Yeah. What do you mean by quirk? Oh, you mean the small quirks, like um, yeah, decisions are faster in Limit because it's only one bet. At a time. Yeah. So therefore, people don't Hollywood. Yeah. Like if you sit there and you think for three seconds, Mm. it's actually a very long time in actual game speed. Mm. So because of that and because of the nonstop action, it's actually a faster paced game. I don't like the fact how in No Limit, when you fold a hand, it may be another five or six minutes before you get dealt another hand. It's, I think, not the best use of time, in my opinion. Yeah. But then I understand the reason why 
time takes or you make longer to make a decision in no limit because it is a big bet game mm-hmm. and it's not only for one bet but however i like the pace of the game for limit yeah that's what i was just about to cover too it is it is a fast paced game like you know when you come to think about it it's just one bet one bet well you know obviously your opponent could three bet you and whatnot but it's just one bet now do you take that to to the tables like do you have that mindset that you know it's just one bet do you know what i mean um not really can you kind of explain the question in another way um how should i say it let's say if you have you know if 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 you if you go into the flop with a you know with a not so strong hand let's say you're chasing for the for the straight or the flush for example do you have that mindset of oh well you know it's just one more bet it's just i can i can take another card it's, because because for me you know for me if i'm chasing you know for a flush or, sh- or straight or whatever to me it's just one more bet whatever game let's say three six or six twelve for example right it's just one bet 12 bucks on the turn and river right that's a very very big trap to fall into in yeah. limit poker yeah because it's not only one bet the reason that i say it's only one bet is because the decisions in limit are very very clear cut mm-hmm. it is bet one small bet you raise two small bets mm-hmm. you fold that's your only three decisions mm-hmm. and that's the reason why the timing is a little bit faster in the game when you start believing that it's only one bet when you're actually playing the game it falls very very dangerously because then you call without the correct odds yeah right it's only one bet when the odds are correct for you to call right right so i think that because in limit poker the pot odds and knowing where you stand in the hand is so important for you to make that decision whether or not you should call or raise or fold. Mm-hmm. Um, a good limit hold'em player will win one big bet an hour. Okay? So if you make one bad call on the turn, usually speaking... You're playing for free that hour. Right. Right? Because yeah. you just threw away one big bet. And on average, a limit hold'em player, after the variance and everything is done, they usually win about one big bet an hour. Oh, really? Yes. So, therefore, the profit margin is actually very very thin Mm -hmm. that's why in the game you have to understand the odds of the game Mm -hmm. which help you and guide you in your decision whether or not you should call that one bet 
if you're drawing. Yeah, where yeah, what you're saying totally makes sense. But every time I play at a limit table, I feel that a lot of the players' mindset is, you know, it's just one bet. It's just six dollars. Well, they're playing six twelve. It's six dollars. It's just one bet. Like you know, you know what I mean. I understand what you mean, and yeah. it's because of that mindset that majority of players are not winning players. Exactly. That's and exactly what I want to get into. The math will always hold. Like, say for example, if you have a flush draw, it usually speaking, it will hit for it every one in four times. Mm-hmm. Okay, it won't hit more often than that mm-hmm. if you play in the long run. So therefore. If you're calling that one bet in limit, you have to make sure that there's an aggregate of four in the pot for you to put your money in. Because if there isn't, you're making a losing call. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's why the understanding of the odds in limit are so very, very important to becoming a Mm -hmm. solid uh, limit hold'em player. Yeah, I I completely like I said uh, I completely agree with uh, what you just said, but I I I still f- feels that majority of the players that play at you know the limit game they feel that their mindset is just one bet and 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 they just you know go for everything. Go for f- flush draws or whatever. And that actually leads me to my next question is um, I, I've, I've, I've saw a couple of videos online and, you know, what do you feel about um, never folding on, on, on limit? Is that, is that a strategy? What do you mean by never folding? Never folding as in... If you have a pair and no matter what the board is, do you still make that call? Okay. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Okay. If me and you are left in the hand, Mm -hmm. Kevin, and I have top pair, top kicker. Okay, it could be ace queen or ace king or something like that. And the river came the third of a flush suit. Yeah. Okay, so for example, there is two diamonds on the flop with my king. I have ace king and Kevin has two two cards. Mm-hmm. And the river comes a third diamond. Mm-hmm. And when I bet into Kevin, Kevin raises. Right. If... The pot is about nine bets or ten bets. I'm never folding. Yeah. And the reason that I'm almost never folding is because if the pot is about ten bets and my math may be a little bit off, but usually speaking, I have to be good one in ten times. Ten times, I think. Or maybe one in 11 times. I, uh, Anyway, uh, basically speaking, I have to be good anywhere between high 8% to 
to low 11% of the time. Mm-hmm. And added the fact that Kevin may be bluffing sometimes. He doesn't always play straight, given the fact how he may be having some uh, what-the-fuck hands like King Jack, which is top pair but a worse kicker trying to yeah. get me off my hand. I have to call that bet, even though I know majority of the time mm-hmm. Kevin has either a flush or a top pair, top kicker beat. So those are one of those situations where I'm never, ever folding because yeah. I'm forcing Kevin to show me a better hand. And those are the the kind of spots where in limit hold'em, if you overfold, you're losing the entire pot. But if you're calling that bet, you're only calling that bet and you're only calling that one bet. But given the fact how the pot may be 10 bets or 11 bets or something like that, mm-hmm. I only have to be good 1 in 11 times, which is about 8 to 9%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why I was like... But... In that situation, what if you didn't have um, top pair, top kicker? What if it's, you know, you know, second best, uh, sorry, um, second lowest pair or whatever? You know what I mean? (laughs) Or not the top pair, middle pair. Well, I mean, how about this? You have to draw a line to where you believe your opponent will bet into you, Mm -hmm. right? If I have the second pair on a king um, diamond diamond and the river is a diamond and Kevin check raises me on that board, I'm probably going to let second pair go. You Mm -hmm. understand what I mean? Because I don't think a second pair is good 9% of the time. Right. But top pair, top kicker, that's a completely different story, Mm. right? Like... um, there was a hand that happened to me uh, this past session, and uh, I had uh, aces in mm. I had aces in early position, I believe it was, and it goes one limp to me, I raise, and someone cold calls. Mm. Uh, the villain or the other player uh, in the hand. He three bets. The other, uh, the player who limped calls too cold or called two. I cap. Everybody else left in the hand calls, and there's four players and 16 bets in the pot. Okay. Mm-hmm. The flop comes 10, 9, we'll say 5. It doesn't really matter what the third card is. Um, but it checks to me, and I bet out. One person calls, the villain raises. One fold, I three bet. The person who calls calls the three bet, and the villain caps. At that point, remember there was 16 bets on the flop, and right now <coughs> there's potentially 12 bets going in on the turn on the flop. Sorry. The so flop. therefore, there's 28 bets going into the turn. However, those are 28 small bets. You divide that by two, that's 14 big bets going into the turn. Mm. I know my aces are beat, Mm. but I'm never folding. 
14 to 1 at this point in time. So basically, I potentially am calling 18 to 2 or 9 to 1. Because I'm calling a turn bet, I'm calling a river bet. There's a villain who's betting in, a villain who's betting in. So there's four more bets going in. 18, and I have to call two. So it's 9 to 1. I'm never folding aces in that spot. Mm. Do you understand what I mean now? Yeah, I do understand yeah, so, what you mean. Uh, because that pot was a massive pot, it actually got up to 19 big bets. Yeah. And it was 18 to 1 to me on the river. That's and really great I value. I knew that I was beat because of the opponent in the hand mm-hmm. and also because of what happened on the flop. Yeah. Okay. However, I'm not folding 18 to 1. Yeah. 18 to 1 is what? That's really good odds. <laughs> 18 to 1, that's like. I have to be good 6% of the time. Yeah. And I think I'm good pretty much 6% of the time there. So therefore, I have to show down, even yeah. though I know that majority of the time I'm losing. Yeah. So that's just basically one of the ins and outs of limit in which you don't have in no limit. Because in no limit, if you continuously make those all-in calls with an overpair on a 10-9 X board, mm. you're probably going to go broke a lot. Yeah. Okay, because for someone who is half decent to shove on that board, they're set it up. Mm-hmm. So, like, they pretty much have flopped a pair, uh, a pair of 10s or a pair of 9s. Right. Right? So, I think that um, in limit, you have a lot of situations where because it's only one bet and the pot is massive, you have to call down with a certain range of hands where you know that you're beat, but but you still have to kind of call. You have to call because you're beating them that certain percentage of time. Right. And obviously, that range can't be so low, but mm-hmm. there is a certain range that you have to call down with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole reason why I brought up the two points earlier about the never folding and the, the, the one bet kind of idea where there's just so much value to it you know but do you feel a lot of the players actually have that going in the back of their minds not at all no i think subconsciously they they know if a pot is big or not right so therefore subconsciously they they know to call down not because and not fold because the pot is massive but obviously they haven't thought about what hands to call down with right right and what kind of hands to call down with and that is actually a big problem as well yeah because obviously depending on some players uh you can call down a little bit lighter Mm. with some players you have to call down a little bit tighter yeah yeah that's fair that's a fair statement because you know I don't play on limit tables that much, but I, you know, I, I just feel that not all of the limit players apply that type of strategy that you were just talking about earlier. Um, and, and that's that that's that's just it. You know, I, um, you just don't play high enough. Yeah. Right. Because um, do you feel the higher you play, the more? The more people that thinks like you play in those games? 
Yes. No? Yes. Um, the higher that you play, the more people think about the game. Mm-hmm. And... Regardless of if you play no limit or limit, the higher that you go in the stakes, the more aggressive people are. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to adjust to that aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. Okay. It obviously takes a very, very. It takes time to adjust to it. Yeah. But you go from people who limp in. Um a lower limit game it goes or pre-flop generally goes limp 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 raise full full fold call 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 that's usually how a lower limit yeah that is. Uh, game plays pre-flop yeah uh when you get up to 10 20 and above it usually is raise three bet field clears and then you have heads up mm. or it usually goes limp limp raise three bet and then call 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 Right. Mm. So the games get a little bit more aggressive pre-flop. You have to be able to trust your instincts a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to be able to adjust to that aggressiveness a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Now, we were saying earlier that it's it's a faster action game for limit compared to no limit. Um. Is it the correct way of saying that it's also a slower game? It's faster action, but a slower game as in... Um, how should I say it? It's a slower game as in... You know, if you... If you cash in for... What? 300 bucks. You can play that for the entire night. Can I say that? Is that an accurate statement? If you can a longer game, I shouldn't be saying a slower game. No, no. It's really, really easy to burn through twenty big bets if you don't know what you're doing. Mm. The reason that I can do it is because the pace of the game is not very, very slow. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, the pace of the game. And the frequency of you getting good premium starting hands is very, very few and far between. Mm. That's why in six hours, you might be able to only play about 10, 12 hands. Right? No, maybe not six hours. Per hour? Four hours, you might be able to play 10, 12 hands. Total. Total, wow. Okay, and you're folding the rest of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, in that case, yeah, you're... Pretty much, it's a little bit. It's a little bit slower. Not really. Like I mean, um, yeah. Because I don't want to say slow because I know it's fast action. Like you know, you don't need to do. How about this? How about this? That's why I want to use the correct my shortest, terminology. My shortest session in Brantford. Mm-hmm. Was 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. So I went there. I bought in with about 20 big bets. Mm-hmm. And for the first half an hour, I got premium hands like crazy. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they lost every single one. Oh, I wow. think I played about seven, eight hands, and my 20 big bets were completely done. 45 minutes done. Wow. So I pretty much just got yeah. up and left, mm-hmm. right? So if you play premium hands mm-hmm. only, then you'd be able to... extend your session little by little mm-hmm. because usually speaking some of those premium big hands do win yeah <laughs> and you do rake it apart sometimes but yeah like um i think it's the same thing in no limit mm-hmm. it's yeah. the same thing in no limit like if yeah. you buy in with 100 big uh, big blinds yeah if you're not a good player that 100 can go really really quickly that's but true if you're a decent player that 100 big blinds could probably last you a whole session that's true right yeah um so i just think that it really depends on the style that you play and if you're good enough to uh to uh win yeah that actually um you actually mentioned uh, something that i want to talk about um that i want to talk about are playable hands what are some of the so what are some of the hands that you should be playing and what are some of the pl- hands that you should not be playing? As a beginner? As a beginner, yes. Okay, because every, like usually speaking, every single position in the poker table, mm-hmm. you have a range of hands that you play. Mm-hmm. Okay, but as a beginner... If you want to give yourself the best shot of winning, you should probably only play pair of nines and above, ace king, ace queen, ace jack, both suited and offsuit, um, king queen suited, queen jack suited. Um, that's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. Top eight percent of hands that you should be playing, and then um, the rest you should be pretty much folding. Mm-hmm. The only other exception is when you're in the big blind and it gets limped into you and all you got to do is check and that's when you exactly. can play any other garbage hand that you can that yep. the dealer gives to you. Yeah. However, uh, to give yourself the best shot of winning, you should pretty much play those hands only. If you don't feel as comfortable, you may you might want to cut out pocket nines and only play pocket tens and up. Mm-hmm. When I started really really learning how to play limit hold'em, mm-hmm. This was in 2012. I started with only pocket tens and up. So you would fold all the other... Fold all the other hands. All the other hands. All the other hands. Now Now, I was watching some YouTube video... And they were saying, never limp in limit. Is that an accurate statement? Never limp. That is a pretty accurate statement. Um, Never, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Right? Because I know you always bitch at me for limping. Yeah, you should never, ever limp. Never limp. Never limp. Even even in um, no limit that you should never limp. Yeah, I don't think you should ever limp. Yeah. And the reason is because... um, when you limp, 
it's a term in um, the poker, I guess, uh, psych circles that you bifurcate your range. And what bifurcate means is that you split it off into two. Mm-hmm. So if you limp and then I see you raise, I know when you limp the next time, you cannot have these hands in your range. Sorry, say that one more time. If you limp, mm-hmm. if you limp, the next hand you raise, and the third hand you limp, the third hand that you play, mm-hmm. I know that you cannot have the best eight to ten percent of hands that are in play. So therefore, the third hand when you limp, I know that you do not have aces, kings, queens, jacks. Tens, nines, ace king, ace queen, mm-hmm. ace jack, king queen, uh, queen jack. I know that you cannot have any of these hands mm-hmm. because you raised and you limped. Mm-hmm. So once you limp, I already know that w- the next time that you limp, you cannot have these types of hands in your range. Mm-hmm. And that is already giving so much information out there. Right. If you raise every single time, mm-hmm. uh, your range is what we call uncapped. And I have no idea what you are playing mm-hmm. if you raise every single time. Mm-hmm. That's why you should never, ever limp. The only exception to the rule is when there has been one or two. Uh, actually, no, not one. Multiple players that have limped in front of you. Then you pick up a hand where it is decent enough that you can limp along. Mm -hmm. Like, say, a suited connector, a low pocket pair or a mid pocket pair, and you're trying to flop gold. Mm -hmm. That is basically the only situation where you should limp along. Like, I'll give you, um, if there's three limps and I'm on the button, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm pretty much limping a whole bunch of hands. Like, a whole bunch of king suited hands queen suited hands um uh limping a whole bunch of like say um suited connectors like five six suited four five suited um uh six seven suited mid pairs and stuff like that because i want to flop either a flush draw a straight Mm -hmm. draw or Mm -hmm. a set and those are going to give me the knighted hands that i need to be able to recruit the um the disadvantage of playing five high seven high right yeah king reg suited so you're saying any position under under the gun you should not be limping no like under the gun is your tightest range and you should be playing basically the top eight percent of hands Mm, gotcha that makes sense that makes sense like if a competent player raises under the gun their range is so ace heavy that you can pretty much just throw away your hand if an ace comes on the flop. Yeah. If a competent player raises under the gun. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying I'm competent, but my range under the gun, if you see an ace on the flop, you're you're good to throw away your hand. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah, even even in no limit, I think that rule applies too. I think 
any any position under the gun, if you have a good hand, I would raise. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with your statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I, I feel don't think that you should limp unless you have an intention to trap a player, which I don't think you should. There's no trapping and limit. No, no. I'm saying. Um, no limit. I mean. Oh yes, in yeah. no limit. Yes, in no limit. Yes. Like, if you have the intention to trap a player or yeah. trap multiple players, yeah. which I think you, it will be very dangerous to trap multiple players. But to be honest, trapping in no limit should really, really come after you know that, um, that person and his tendencies or her yeah, tendencies. Exactly. Because I think that it's just too big of a risk if you allow it to get checked through because you don't know the player's tendencies. You don't know if this player will bet into you again. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, because I come from a limit background, mm-hmm. I always am the aggressor. I'm always the one betting my hand. Yep. And I just think that... Um, I just think that I need to get the value in now. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think raising preflop is so important. Yeah. Because generally speaking, if you play in a semi-competent 1-3 no-limit game, 2-5 no-limit game, people generally know how to play after the flop. Like maybe it's a little bit different in no-limit, but in limit... People generally know how to play after the flop. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the only street that you can pretty much get some value is, is pretty flop. Pretty flop. And if you don't raise and you don't play your hands very, very aggressively, you're losing, you're losing a, value. Lot, a lot of value. Yeah. And all this value cannot be made up for afterwards because generally speaking, I'm just breaking even with Kevin post-flop. I yep. might be able to be able to outmaneuver him a little bit mm-hmm. because I've seen many six to one, seven to one situations. I've been I've been in three bed pots in which I know that Kevin probably uh, wouldn't be too comfortable at first with. However, after the flop, if Kevin sees a whole bunch of fucking chips and he knows this is a big pot, he knows that he's gonna chase his king high flush draw, and I can't knock him out of it. Exactly. So therefore, mm-hmm. all the value is made pre-flop. When exactly. Kevin doesn't know what to play for two bets, for three bets, and for a limp. Exactly. So therefore, if you don't play pre-flop correctly, you're losing so much, much value. Yeah. And you can't make it up post-flop, at yeah. least in limit. In no limit because of the all-in bet, mm-hmm. you can make up a lot of that value post-flop. Right. Right? However, in limit... You can you can't make it back. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one thing that no limit players can learn from that. Totally. I feel that a lot of the hand, like I just paid, you know, over the weekend with you, and I felt I lost a lot of value pre-flop because I did not bet. I I, I think there was a few hands where. I have jacking 
under the gun plus two and I did not raise and I lost so much value when I did hit the king is because when they saw the king and when I bet on the flop they're just all gonna fold yes of course yeah because that's totally accurate the pot's small that's why exactly like say for example it's you and two other players if you limped in then that means the pot is at most ten dollars yeah and when you're betting five or six dollars into a ten dollar pot people will just think hey there's nothing in there exactly i don't even want it you know it's not even worth it however if you raise to if you're playing one three you raise to ten dollars pre-flop and you get those same three players now you have a $30 pot. Exactly. Because now you have a $30 pot, yep. people would want to see one more street, and exactly. therefore you can get a little bit more value with your pair of kings. Exactly. So that's why the raise and fold pre-flop mentality is so important. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think, I think, I think between a beginner and something that's someone that's been playing for a long time is is their pre-flop play i would say that is one of the biggest yep exactly indicators of whether or not a beginner and someone who is a little bit studied in the game is pre-flop play yeah because majority of people who play pre-flop well either open or three bet and there's no limping there's no cold calling the only spot where you cold call is the big blind Mm -hmm. however now with a little bit more math and a little bit more research there is should be a cold calling range from the small blind if there has been a raise and multiple callers Then you should have a cold call range from the small blind. However, of less that, then no, you should not ever have a cold calling or calling range. Pre flop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. uh, Yeah, coming from a no limit player like myself, that that all makes sense. after just you know thinking about that i was like it all makes sense um so you're you're saying you're you do a lot of um you play a lot of pre-flop when let me just try to word this correctly um do you feel that you can squeeze extra value from the turn in the river when you or do you feel you don't need to do that the majority of limit players in southern ontario mm-hmm. play the flop well play the turn well mm-hmm it's pre-flop and river where they don't play well. Pre-flop is because they play way too many hands and they don't play the hands that they should play aggressively, aggressively enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. River 
is that you miss a lot of bets. Like in that aforementioned example that I gave you where I have top pair top kicker and I'm in a hand and Kevin's left in the hand and the third flush comes on the river, a lot of players check that river. Mm. Please bet. Yeah. Okay. The reason is because he will only hit that flush a very small percentage of the time and you are missing a lot of value by not betting that river. So in terms of understanding where to get value, Pre-flop play is the most important. Mm-hmm. And then relatively post-flop, the river play is the most important. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Because everybody can play the flop and the turn generally well. Yeah. That's an accurate statement too. I feel I have terrible river plays. Yeah. Like, I think that if you were to play in a limit game, one of the very, very obvious and notable things that you would have to improve in your post-flop play is betting when scare cards come. So say, for example, this happens, okay? You're in the you're under the gun with king queen suited, mm-hmm. and you raise. Yeah, and there's four other colors in the pot. Okay, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. You raise with tens under the gun, and there's four other players in the pot. Okay. And the flop comes two, two, three. Mm. And you're confident that nobody has a two or a three. Correct. You bet. It checks to you. You bet and everybody calls. And you're just like, that's not a good feeling when everybody calls. And the turn card is a jack. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of players will check that turn. Okay, that's what I. Hmm. You in limit, you bet. That you turn. bet that. Yeah, bet that that's okay. That's different. And when an overcard comes, even into four players who just called the flop, mm-hmm. a jack is not scary enough so that you check the turn. If an ace comes on the turn, mm. you may think about checking that. But you also remember, you're under the gun. Mm. Your I'm the range smashes the ace so much. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's two ways of looking at it. However, mm. when a scare card comes, I notice that a lot of novice limit players do not know how to bet the scare card. Yeah. And you're not betting for a bluff. You're betting for value. For value. 
but a lot of players miss that value because mm. they're scared of the scare card. Yeah, I completely okay. agree with that Another uh, situation would be the same flop. You have tens. It goes two, two, three with two diamonds. Mm-hmm. And eight X comes on the turn. You continue betting. Mm-hmm. And then a nine of a diamond comes on the river. A lot of players will check that river. Uh, okay. Yep. And I can't stress enough that you have to bet that river. Mm-hmm. And if they raise you, you have to pay it off. Mm. Because generally speaking, if you don't bet that river, mm-hmm. you're missing so much value from the times that they have an eight, they have a nine, or they have ace three that are stubborn and they decide to call you down Mm -hmm. there's so much value to be missed by not betting that river so a lot of the times you have to bet that river even if the scare card comes Mm. you just have to pray that it's your day and And nobody hit that yeah nobody hit that scare card okay Yeah, 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 yeah yeah wow wow that learning a lot from from limit seriously I think that because if you actually learn the game of limit, limit gives or puts you into a lot more situations where you're six to one, seven to one, mm-hmm. nine to one, ten to one. Mm-hmm. And because you play in so many of those situations, you get better at it and you can bring that over to no limit. Mm-hmm. versus a no limit player uh, if you just start out with it I find that they have a trouble grasping pot odds and not knowing where they stand in hands okay yeah. so I think that if you generally want to get better in no limit mm-hmm. a portion of the game or the math portion of the game you can actually try to learn a limit style poker to get you adjusted to understanding the math portion of the game. Yeah, that makes sense. So just a recap. Play your preflop. Get your value from the river. And and you should be okay. Yeah. Um, I think any level in limit up to 10, 20... If you fold majority of the time, you get the showdown with top pair, top kicker, or better. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, you'll probably break even. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You choose your pre-flop hands well. Yeah. You get the showdown with top pair, top kicker, or better mm-hmm. every single time. You're generally speaking, you're break even or beating the game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Easy game. <laughs> easy for you to say um the hardest part is the patience it is the hardest part is not going crazy when you've been folding for two hours and then the next three hands that you get are ace king ace king and queens and you lose all of them and then you have to go back to folding for an hour that's the hardest part to be honest with you i yeah anything else is just gravy yeah like the hardest part is not playing seven four in the big blind when it comes raise and only one person calls and you're getting six to one 
You know, that's just the hardest part or seven four offsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just pretty much the hardest part. Or like Jack seven offsuit. Ugh. You know, you don't you don't really um, play that. Yeah. You know? Jack you don't seven. really wanna play it, but you know, you're in the big blind. Yeah. You're kind of forced to playing it. No, 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 no. But what I meant is if it's a race and there's oh. one more caller oh. and when you're looking at five to one. Right. Right? At mm. five to one, I mean, Jack seven is meh yeah. call at five to one. Yeah. And um, I just think that a lot of players don't know how to fold it. Mm. Okay? Like king eight. King eight is a really, really bad hand. King eight. Okay? Like uh, a six offsuit. Okay, oh. well, three players, a six offsuit is, 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 I think it's okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of players, like, don't really know how to fold those middling hands and, mm. uh, don't know where to draw the line. So that's where I think they lose a lot of, uh, lose a lot of value. You know how we always talk about how, um, limit games are all just a math game. And, and you agree with that. Do you feel that, you know, if you're not a math game, you should not be playing Limit? Um, because, you know, people, people all around say, oh, you know, Limit is a math game where it's all about, you know, 10 to 1, 9 to 1, whatever, right? They automatically reject the idea of playing limit because it's a math game. Limit becomes less of a math game the higher the stakes that you go. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because the game changes. Mm -hmm. In the low limits, you have a lot of people that limp and not many people that race. So you have a lot of multi-way pots in which it makes it feel like bingo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. However, there's a certain skill to how to beat those types of games. Mm-hmm. When you move up in limit, and when the players get better, you have a bunch of players that play raise or fold hold'em, and when they play raise or fold hold'em, generally speaking, you're having a raise, three bet, and now you're in the big blind, and you have to decide whether or not to call two with the hand that you have, or you usually have raise. And the field clears and you're in the big blind and you're deciding whether or not you call three to one. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's generally speaking how higher limit poker is. And when yeah. you have heads up majority of the time or only three ways majority of the time, mm-hmm. then generally speaking, you have wider range situations and a lot more bluff and semi bluff opportunities. Right. Break.